There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Today in history in 1981, NASA launched the first space shuttle, Columbia, which was designed to orbit Earth, transport people and cargo to and from orbiting spacecraft, and glide to a runway landing on its return to Earth. Now, if only they could get the Boston Tea to run right. Welcome to What the Fuck History, where we discuss the wackiest and weirdest things that make us say, well, what the fuck history. I am your host, Zachary, and friends, listeners, countrymen, I come to bury Maximinius, not to praise him. My name's Megan, and one day I'm going to overthrow the real the the real king of Candyland and become the dictator of Candyland. Oh. And I'm Matt. Today I didn't learn a goddamn thing, and it was honestly a little bit refreshing. <laughs> I love that for you. Like that is a that is a hot take, and I love that for you. Look, that's so wholesome. I'm I love days where no one learns. Sometimes anything. you go to work, you work, and then you go home, and yeah. you don't get bombarded with random facts from the internet that you can use as podcast fodder. And today was one of those days. Oh, today was one of them. I mean, you did learn something over the weekend when we got sushi. I did learn something and I almost texted you to be like, hey, what was that thing that you told me? And then I decided that this was a funnier intro. Okay, well, then can I give it today? I learned you you can definitely give it today. I learned today. I learned on Saturday. I taught Matt that (laughs) Uh, that's a joke that only works once. Yeah. Uh, on Saturday, I taught Matt that uh, there is an increase in the number of home runs in the Major League Baseball right now. Um, and it is due to climate change making the air thinner so the ball can travel faster. Well, Babe Ruth could never. never nah. Babe Ruth know? could never. No steroids, no leaky ozone, just straight bats on balls. Straight bats on balls. No help from capitalism. Balls. Speaking of baseball, though, I um, heard that they made a few new rules that are hoping to, like, up the pace of the game. Okay. Yeah, well, it cut down nine of the innings. What'd they do? Wait, what? (laughs) It's only a one-inning game now? Yeah. Yeah. No, there's only nine innings. Yeah, cut all of them. Oh, yeah, no, that that would be great. No, I guess they've made it. Cut all of the They've innings. made it so that pitchers can only take, like, 30 seconds, I think. Not yeah. even. Good. There's, um, like, a pitch clock now. There's a pitch clock now. I mean, good. Which, Here's the like, thing. to baseball... be honest, it could have used that a long time ago. Yeah, baseball is, in my humble opinion, and you can come at me if you think I'm wrong, is, like, one of the, the most boring, boring sports. Game. Uh, yep. by definition, a perfect game of baseball is just two guys playing catch. Yep. yep. Um, 
However, with that said, there will never be any form of media as entertaining as the Savannah Bananas. The Savannah Bananas are great. Who else comes out to the field dancing to ABBA? No one. In case you're unaware, ladies and gentlemen of our listening audience, and I promise we will get started in just a second here. Um, the Savannah Bananas are, to baseball, what the Harlem Globetrotters are to uh, basketball. Except the Savannah Bananas are actually competitive. They're, they're, no, they like they like they they do play and like they have like it's like a triple A league, I think, or it's like a different. It's not the MLB. It's definitely not the MLB. It's definitely not the MLB, but like. The Harlem Globetrotters is a show. They no, don't actually play no, anyone. You're absolutely right. You're right. The Savannah, the Savannah Bananas, Bananas like do, their wins and losses count. Do actually play for some stakes, but it is not on like the biggest stage possible. Obviously. No, it's there are stakes, but they have fun with it, and yeah, that's why I love it. Which is awesome. If you guys have seen, I'm fairly certain that the Savannah Bananas is the one where like the pitcher is going to pitch and then the entire team starts to dance. Yeah. And he throws like a strike. I'm pretty sure. Anyways, if you've seen that video on TikTok or YouTube Shorts or anywhere else, that is that is the Savannah Bananas at in in I don't action. Watch, I don't watch the internet, so Um well, that's fair. Uh all right, kids. Anyway, we have set our strikes back to zero. We have played a completely imaginary game of rock, paper, scissors. And the order for tonight, after much deliberation in the After Dark section, um, was Zach, followed by me, followed by Megan. We had originally said that it was going to be Zach, Megan, followed by me, but then I said that my story is very little. So Zach demanded a little story sandwich. He's just a little guy. Um, he's just a little guy. But uh, Zach will be going first. So, Zach, take it away. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I just you could also tell... want you to know that I thought about making the pause between take it and away way longer there just to make it <laughs> very awkward. But I didn't do that. There's always next time. Matt. There is always next My time. My favorite part. Of you being like, Zach, take it away, is the fact that he started and you were like, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, see, that was my favorite part of your intro. Here's the thing. Um, now that I know that you have this on your brain, I know that the threat is always looming. Threat. So the chances of me extending the take it and away is low, but never zero. Exactly. Anyways, sorry. It's all good. Um... If you couldn't tell by my intro, I am going to be talking today about some good old Roman guy. Well, okay, so he's kind of Roman. Zach loves his Roman boys. I do love my Roman boys. I feel like some, like, again, like, his total side tangent, but, like, it's relevant, kind of. Like, I feel like there's, like, certain red flags and green flags when it comes to, like, studying history. Yeah, but Zach, when he's talking about Roman boys, is just wearing rose-colored glasses. I mean, okay, so I was going to say, like, studying Roman history is, like, a, a gray flag. Yeah. Who, who knows the fucking color? Who knows anymore? Um, but I am going to be talking about a very specific Roman-ish guy. Such is the nature of this podcast? Yes. 
Born Varus Maximinius in 17.3. Oh, yeah. We're going back to triple wow. digits again, baby. Maximinius was supposedly born in Thrace to a Gothic father and, a, and, and an Alanic mother. Uh, I say, Dude, you say Gothic father, and I understand the Goths are a thing, but I just, I all just I see can him. Pick, picture is like, yeah, an emo, yeah, emo dad, like yeah. your favorite Goth dad, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> like that one commercial where the dad paints his house black because his teen daughter is a Goth. Yeah, it's just like a Aww. dad with. A bunch of earrings and black lipstick saying, get into the hearse, kiddo. We're getting ice cream. It's exactly like that. <laughs> get into the hearse. Um, so born in 1703, um, Varus Maximinius, uh, he was supposedly born in Thrace to this Gothic father and Alonic mother. And I do say supposedly because this comes to us from the Augustan history, uh. which... Anyone who's familiar with their histories, especially Uh the Roman ones, Mm -hmm. the Augustan history was just as reliable of a narrator as our friend of the podcast, Procopius. 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 (laughs) Longtime listener, Procopius. My man. Longtime listener, Procopius. Friend of the podcast, Procopius. My favorite thing about uh, Procopius, now that we've brought him up, is just and like clearly this this same recording method for uh these histories you're about to tell us um Mm -hmm. is just people saying like histories written by the victors but (laughs) i got the pen now boys and girls boy oh (laughs) yeah um anyway I, i i love that too but it's it gets wild sometimes uh he is born of this gothic daddy uh, which, if you don't know, those are Germanic peoples back in this time, and an Alonic mommy, who were Iranian nomads. I was going to ask. I don't. Yeah, I, I wasn't I familiar with the Alonics before. Yeah, I I did not know either, and I did two seconds of research and was like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> that sounds not like really the relevant. majority no, I, of I our stories, either. bro. It was so like I was like it was relevant enough to look up where they came from, not relevant enough to go into the deep dive of no, the culture. No, that's fair, totally fair. Um, and it's important to note him being born to these two people because it made him the lowest of the low class in Roman society. Um, people basically saw him as nothing more than a barbarian from birth. Mm-hmm. Um, his dad was an accountant for the governor's office, though, so the family had, like, some standing in their town, but not really much. And Maximinius grows up quick, and he grows up mean. His fist gets hard, and his wits get keen. Nope. And well, he's... Yeah. (laughs) Strike. Look, I had to. I need a warning before we tell stories in rhyme, all right? I think okay, but like it's it's a Johnny Cash line. I think the fact that I, oh mm, see, I loves me some Johnny Cash. Loves me some Johnny but Cash. Hate, it's a boy named Sue. But I hate the fact that a rhyme was thrown in my face without ample preparation. I hope you know it is now the looming threat that you're gonna have over your head that one day. Wow, well, there's a lot of threats tonight. I'm going to do in it like a shit story about Shakespeare or something, and I'm going to put the whole fucking thing in iambic pentameter just to fuck with you. I think. Wow, that'd be yeah. a dedication. That this episode, first of all, needs to be named the episode of looming threats. 
<laughs> but secondly, I will reverse the strike because it is a Johnny Cash lyric. I'll take a half a strike. Half a strike is fine. <laughs> I'll take half a strike. <laughs> so much like a boy oh. named Sue. Uh, Interesting. Maximinius grows up uh, kind of tough and a little bit ragged around the edges. And while he's fairly young, he starts off just doing like some shepherding work because, as I said, kind of poor. What do the poor people do in Roman culture? They farm. They shepherd. Um, but he also ends Man, up leading. You like can't a- do that anymore. I feel. What? You can't fall on hard times and become a shepherd now. Yeah. Right. If, if only we could all you just like fall, fall back on, hard- on the sheep industry. I just feel like you fall on hard times now and you just like become a drug dealer. I, like it's or you fall just on like not as you fun. fall on even worse times and become a drug addict. I mean, there's that too. You heard it here first, folks. If uh the drug industry is the modern sheep equivalent. <laughs> that it is. Me- Megan has now said that Megan you know, has proclaimed it and thus it shall be. Um, But at a young age, after he's done doing some shepherd work, he ends up leading a group of bandits for a hot bit. Yes. Um, It's like mostly the normal, like, you know, sacking of places. I, too, would like to retire from my job to become a shepherd and then a leader of bandits. That sounds pretty dope, actually. That's, you know what? Sounds relaxing. It's not far off from being a drug dealer, I'll be honest. (laughs) Okay, well... I see. I'm not wrong. No, this is just the episode where we talk about drugs and threats. Like, yeah, looming um, threats, looming threats and drug deals. There's a looming threat that you will be attacked by drugs. <laughs> made it too real. I made it too real. I'm sorry. I'll take. Okay. I'll take a strike for that. Um, but so he's leading this bandit group, and it like kind of doesn't really amount to much. Uh, so what is a boy to do? Oh no! Become a super shepherd. No, he doesn't become a super shepherd. Become a he super becomes bandit. A s- kind of. Oh, shit. Depends on how you view oh, the world. Oh, he becomes a politician. No, he becomes a super soldier. Oh, all right. Um, yeah, oh, he, my God. Captain America? Yeah. Well, he joins the Roman Legion he under the reign Captain of... Captain America. He becomes Captain Rome. Um, Captain, Captain Caesar? Rome? No. No. Caesar's uh, a nice guy. So he, they named a salad after him. After he got stabbed to death by his best friends. Et tu, Brute. Um, so he joins Same. the Roman Legion under the reign of Septimus Severus. Severus Snape, got it. Severus. Septimus Severus Snape, yeah. Uh, he joins under the reign of Septimus Severus. And also, can we just take a minute to discuss how fucking awesome Roman names are first? Yeah, a bit. Oh, a thousand percent. I have not run into one Roman name that I'm not just like, damn, that's fucking badass. There's this one guy. His name is Dave. (laughs) Dave. Could you imagine? Could you imagine just like such a boring ass name? Yeah, we Rome. have in this, we have in here Antilius and Maximus and Dave. <laughs> Dave, come on out here, Dave. Come Get on onto Dave. the Senate floor. Um, Come on down. Come on down. You've been the next contestant on The Price is Right. So, <laughs> Mac- on, are we going to enact policies today? <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, Maximus grows in rank and power in the Roman Legion relatively quickly, 
growing from a common soldier to a general to eventually gaining some, as you said, Matt, political power. Yeah. Which, it, that's actually very common to how a lot of Thraco-Roman emperors between the 5th and 3rd and 5th century kind of did things. They'd be like, well, I have the biggest army and therefore the biggest claim to emperor, so fucking deal with it. Like, it, the Senate isn't going to question your legitimacy to the throne when you have a giant army standing behind you. <clears throat> no. However, that's how I got no, my they job. won't. No, they won't. Most people um, don't question you if you have an army standing behind you, so. Yeah. In, in the words of Theodore Roosevelt, walk tall and carry a big stick. That's true. And That's what I do every day. Or is it walk soft and carry? I don't remember. Maybe it's walk soft and yeah, carry I a big stick. I think it's speak softly and carry a big speak stick. Speak softly and carry a big stick. That's the word I'm thinking. That's, I was like, I fucked up that saying, and I know but it. But hey, speak here's softly, the thing. carry a big stick. Yeah. We're not here to talk about to talk no, about we're not that. here to talk about Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, but, like, this whole idea that he has this giant army behind him is almost comedic. Nice. Because Maximinus is built like a fucking truck. Yeah. Well, I know Same. I said that the Augustan histories are kind of shaky at best. Um, I absolutely want to believe every fucking word that they say here. In my heart of hearts, I want to believe them. Okay. Because according to these histories, Maximinus, who eventually gets the name Maximinus Thrax, which is even more badass. Yeah, that's a good it's name. A, yeah, was it's recorded, a solid name. It is a solid name. Um, but he was recorded in these histories to be an astounding eight feet, one finger high in height. I don't I know what that I do not believe means. that that's the truth. Well, okay, so they probably don't measure feet the same way. No, no, no. Eight feet tall. No. Illegal. Hear, hear me out, though. That's okay. he not... Was, let, let's, let's go with the... Uh, let's, let's yes and the Augustan histories. All right, fine. I don't... Um, okay. He was recorded to be eight feet one finger high with hands and body proportions so large that he would wear his wife's bracelets on his thumb as rings. That's too much man for a, a lady. Yeah, that's a little too much man. <laughs> um, And now, well, she's I'm scared for her. Oh, yeah. You're getting ripped in twain, my lady. Whoa. <laughs> um, probably, but and, like, damn, probably. Now, as Matt so, pointed out, and you both wrong. have kind of guffawed at, it, this is probably not fully true, uh, but he was a giant man. The historian Hadrian, who is actually a credible source, once wrote, and I quote... Is actually a credible source. Yeah, he's a credible source for fucking Roman times. Uh, so Hadrian writes... He was, in any case, a man of such frightening appearance and colossal size that there is no, is no obvious comparison to be drawn with any of the best-trained Greek athletes or warrior elite of the barbarians. He was just a mountain of a man. And in, like, man. Roman art and, like, painting of the time, he is actually depicted having a very prominent brow, nose, and jaw, which all are signs, symptoms, and kind of point. It points to acromegaly, 
Uh which is a disorder that causes excessive growth in parts or all of the human body. It's commonly commonly known today as giantism. Um, So it is possible that he was eight feet tall, but it's also possible that they didn't know how to fucking measure things back then. Fuck you, I mean, Pythagoras it's, it's and your theorem. It's also possible that, like... Oh, he's Greek. He wasn't eight feet tall, but he was just, like, heads and shoulders taller than, like, everyone around him. Yeah, he was just so tall that they were probably, like, eight feet tall. That seems right. Washington, Washington. <laughs> I'm, and it's going to be stuck in my head now, and I'm going to have to watch it after we finish this. Shit. He has giantism, clearly, and he's just a very large guy, and he's, you know... In the army. This sounds like it's going to be a fun time, right? It should be. Well, isn't one of the things about giant gigantism is, like, they have super gummy ligaments? It can happen. I am not... Is it not all the time? I'm not the foremost expert in gigantism, but I don't think it's like, hey, every case means gummy ligaments. I do know it's like... You're not going to live long because that's a lot of blood to be pumped Because your body. heart can't pump that much blood. Yeah. It, it's fucking Godzilla rules. Kaijus can't exist because fucking physics. It's true. Um, that's fair. But this kaiju of a man did exist. And... This kaiju of a man. He, he wants power. Because when you grow up with nothing, sometimes that makes you want everything. So in March, damn, the Romans love their March. Um, They sure do. They sure do. In March of of 23-5, I'm trying to figure out how to do triple digit dates. It's weird. Could just say Um, 235. Yeah, well, I want to say like 2023. Mm. So in March of 235, uh, the Legio 22nd and other troops of the Roman Legion all elect Maximinius, not for a Senate seat, but to become the emperor of all of Rome. Hell yeah! That's crazy. And they do this by going in and killing the old emperor. Yeah. And just being like, well, he's the emperor now, which then very quickly the entire Praetorian Guard's like, yep, I guess he's emperor now. And the Senate, I guess that's correct. I guess that's that. Um, so with the entire army and the Praetorian Guard being like, this guy's our guy, the Senate is kind of like cornered into agreeing. Because the Senate hates this guy. He is a commoner. He is a lowly, poor peasant. And they've just elected him to become elected's a, a loose term, I guess, in this situation. Um, but they've been like, this guy's our <laughs> emperor, and the Senate's like, well, I guess we have to agree with this, even though we don't want a commoner as an emperor, I guess tough titties. Tough? <laughs> tough titties. Tough, tough I'm titties. I'm gonna start saying that to Just people. the toughest of titties. I'm gonna be like, fuck you, tough titties. <laughs> so, Maximinius starts doing what Maximinius does best, and, uh, oh boy, here I go a-killing again. Because he just starts wiping Same. out and killing all the former advisors to Alexander, who was the emperor before him. And now normally I wouldn't be like, hey, normally I would be like, hey, don't come in and murder everyone who came before you. That's a bad idea. In this case, it was a good idea because there were two plots to assassinate him. Nice. 
So he, he thwarts the plots by just going on a murder spree. I, need I guess to, you win some. I yes. need to know, did the assassination plots have to do with a ladder? No, Matt, to, they didn't. To, like, get up high and stab this man in his neck? No. Okay. Ladders also <laughs> probably didn't. Oh, I'm so disappointed. <laughs> uh, Sorry. But, so, it's a valid no. question. It's a valid question. Um, after his murder spree, he starts working on policy because, you know what? Clean slate. New guy comes in. Let's do some policy work. And that policy starts by him doubling the pay of every soldier in the Legion. Nice. This guy is a soldier. He's going to pay the other soldiers well. And then he starts getting into, like, religious policy. It happens. It happens. But, like, he kind of goes in and is like, hey, all these Christians were being harbored by Alexander. I'm not a Christian. I guess we should just kill them all or exile them. Yeah, I mean, classic. And, like, I didn't say he's a nice emperor. I just said he's built, like, a brick shithouse with a short temper. So murder all the Christians. Okay. Now, he does also apparently fund a lot of infrastructure work and a lot of, like, road maintenance gets done. So I guess we'll give him one win. But most of his policy is let's murder. I mean, when you've got a strategy that works. (laughs) Don't. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Absolutely. Um, but the issue with Maximinius, who also does get the nickname the Barracks Emperor due to his, hey, I'm still going to command the armies and fight battles, but I'm also emperor, uh, is this dude loved himself a good fucking war, clearly. The murder inside wasn't enough. There had to be murder outside, too. Murder on the inside, murder on the inside, murder on the outside. Just a murder sandwich. Um... And he could kind of in the club. He could beat anything that came into his path. He was a fucking giant. Why wouldn't he love war? Yeah. But the problem with war and constant war is it kind of dries up the coffers. It's expensive. It's Uh, costly. That's true. And it makes the divide between the ruling class and the common people even wider. Wait. Haven't we heard this before? Oversized and overfunded um, army, a constant need to fight, a growing social gap between the rich and the poor. Huh. Are you talking? No, I lost it. I can't can't think of who that reminds me of. Current day America. (laughs) Ah, that was the joke. I remembered the thing that Zach forgot. Thanks. (laughs) Hey, audience, if you're ever in doubt, uh about jokes i'm here to ruin them for you we don't need to be subtle zach is talking about us yes being shitty (laughs) (laughs) welcome to capitalism baby welcome to capitalism baby um so a lot of the wars that maximinius is doing is he's constantly going after the germanic tribes and trying to like rid the land of the germanic tribes this was in a time where like hey Germanic tribes were a bit of a problem, mm. which is also weird because his dad was a goth. So like I some weird daddy issues there, but like I'm not here to analyze him. I'm just here to talk about him in 238 due to some governmental shenanigans as is want to happen. 
the then That's Roman true. province of Africa goes into a full fucking revolt. And Maximinius and his troops kind of go out to put out the fire and deal with this revolt. And But wait, what's that? Why, it's the Roman Senate with a steel fucking chair. Be- oh, my God. <laughs> because the Roman Senate, in, his, in an absolute act of defiance, backed two other guys to be co-emperors well in an attempt to oust Maximinius while he's away. They gotta, they gotta stop doing this. And, but, like, I'll give the credit to the Senate where the credit is due because it's a little smart. Don't piss off the giant when he's standing in front of you. Wait till he's off to war. Yeah. Maximinius is like, well, I guess I'm in the fight of a lifetime. Like, I'm the fight for my fucking life. It was WrestleMania. Yeah, absolutely. WrestleMania 86. Like, great. Uh, he's like, all right, time to get the troops up and go sack Rome and take my seat back. Uh, that was a really comfy chair. Um, and a bunch of more shenanigans happen while Maximinius is on his ride to Rome. And long story short, the Senate end up ec- uh, electing six guys to co-rule together. Nice. Uh, which sure is actually the start of the year of the six emperors, which is a whole other deal I will tackle later. Dot, dot, dot. Maximinius shows up to Rome and immediately, like, doesn't let anyone unpack and is like, we're sieging this bitch. I want my share back. Okay. To which the army is like, what the fuck? We just stopped marching. Why do we have to start sieging I'm t- immediately? And Also, I'm tired. The whole army just kind of gives up on him because, you know, attrition and starvation suck balls. However, the discomfort and uh, distaste that the army has uh, doesn't matter for long. Because in June of 238, a few assassins sneak in and kill Maximinius. Yeah, you would would have to get him in his sleep. You gotta get him laying down. You gotta get him laying down. It's the assassins with the steel or chair. Bring a it's the assassins with the steel chair. Um, so they go in, they kill Maximinius, they kill Maximinius's son, Maximus, and they kill all of Maximinius's chief ministers, which they follow right, up. Roman name's really cool, but like they got like two of them. Yeah, right? It, he, I named you me, but shorter. <laughs> yeah, I named you me, but like not as many Less letters, of a mouthful. So. Um, the whole, uh, yeah, it, so after they kill all of them, the assassins then proceed to behead everyone, stick their heads on pikes, and just hand the pikes to Roman cavalrymen so that they can parade them around. Yeah. As you do. What, As you do. That's what I do with my enemies. Yeah, right? Is it? Yeah. So yeah, that's it. That's Maximinius Thrax and his insanity, which is different than other Roman emperors' insanity, but still something. That's super crazy. And as I mentioned, we are on a time crunch, so I'm going to launch directly into my thingy. Hell yeah. Um. So as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, this is like a little story, like a tiny baby, itty bitty baby story. Um. But I feel like it's worth telling because it's kind of funny and it's a little bit adorable. Um, So my story starts on the 9th of November uh, in the year of our Lord, 1716. Oh, God, it feels so nice to be at four-digit numbers. Um, (laughs) It's on a ship uh, on on the ocean called the Bonetta, uh, where the subject of our story, John King, was sailing with his mom from Antigua to Jamaica. 
Um, John was nine or ten or eleven. Okay. Uh, the, okay, good range. The story isn't really clear. Good range. But the most important thing about this story is that he was young. Um, because while they were out on the high seas, they were set upon by Samuel Bellamy. Or, oh, as he was Jackson. more commonly referred to, Black Sam Bellamy, who was a notorious pirate. Uh-huh. Who was part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He was universe. part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, for sure. Uh, according to reports from Abijah Savage, who was the, capti- the captain of the Bonetta, um, seeing Bellamy raid the ship and plunder all of the things that were uh, on board got young John King's blood boiling and got him, like, really worked up and... Um, I mean, this might sound bad about a fucking 11-year-old, but, you know, clearly he's battle-horny, and I get it. Yeah, he's a little bit battle-horny. Yeah, uh, like, by the time I, you know, the raid was done, uh, John King was begging Bellamy to take him into his crew. I mean, I would, too. Uh, and according to Savage's writings of the event, John King even went so far as to say he would kill himself if he was not allowed to join, and that he would kill his mother if she didn't let him leave. Okay, I... I don't know what the, like, life expectancy was in those times, but I guess if you're going to be an angsty teen and you don't have much life expectancy, you might as well get it over with while you're nine. Right, yeah, or ten or eleven. Also, his mom is about to, like, take him out. (laughs) I mean, she brought him like, into it. Listen, she can take him me. out of it. Yeah, talk to me like that one more time. She she absolutely was not going to do anything about it. I think she was probably going to smack his ass and tell him to sit in a corner. Um, <laughs> but realistically, she probably would have thrown him overboard for being a little shit. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, uh, Black Sam Bellamy... Uh, saw a determination in the boy and decided to take him along, which makes John King the youngest pirate ever. Good for him. But okay. I, I, I want you to know that this is a distinction uh, that doesn't include any children who might have been born into piracy, whether there be, like, female pirates that, you know, gave birth to young pirates. So he was the youngest pirate to have like actively signed up for piracy the youngest pirate the youngest pirate to be a pirate by choice not by lifestyle so during his time as a pirate uh king went on several raids with bellamy and his crew and then when bellamy changed ships uh from whatever one he had been on when he was raiding with or had raided the Bonetta when he found uh, King in the first place. He took King along when he uh, moved over to the Wida, which was a slaver's galley that was 100 feet long. Okay. Um, mm. And I know that uh, history is like a really fun topic and we 
you know, tell a lot of stories that have really happy endings. But unfortunately, um, our story of young John King does not have a happy ending because... Oh, child death. Yeah, child death is not great, but it happens to John King. Um, <laughs> our story takes a sad turn. On April 26th, in the year of our Lord, 1717, uh, mm -hmm. when the Wida was traveling uh, off the coast of Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Okay. I don't think Massachusetts... I don't know when the states were founded because it's late and I'm tired and my brain's not working, so maybe Massachusetts Not until existed. 1776, okay, so it was cool. a colony yeah, so it was... It, it didn't... Zach's just like, yeah, listen, the declaration not signed yet, not, not a state. A yeah. <laughs> um, but that general... Also still not a that... state. We're a commonwealth. Thank you. <laughs> that general area so... is where the Wida was um, traveling. Uh, and they unfortunately experienced a bit of bad weather uh, where the ship was demasted. Uh -oh. um, and then uh -oh. it sank, uh, and only two of the crew survived, and neither of those two uh, were a 9, 10, or 11-year-old pirate boy. Oh. So, uh, roughly, a, like, not even a full year of being a pirate, because from November 9th to then April is what, like six months maybe? Not even? Look, sometimes you live fast and you die young. And you young. die young. Like, it's really young. It's better to burn out than fade away. Now, what's really cool about this story, because I, I, I did a little bit of research, um, they found the Wida. Oh. Oh, did they? And in 2006... Uh, they found the fibula of a boy that would have been John's age. And oh. the, the leg was um, wrapped in like a silk sock and was wearing like a French style shoe. Okay. So it did confirm that there was a child of John's approximate age on the Wido when it sunk. Holy shit. I love I love when you get confirmation. So, like, it's fun to tell a story about a little kid who just, like, ran away to be a pirate. But it's also kind of cool to be able to say that actually happened that yeah that little pirate boy didn't die yeah well i mean the pirate no he died he well, died he, on the ship he died but, but like we know what but happened we know to for him. sure yeah, that he was there yeah it's it's nice to have physical confirmation like like because anyone it's not could, great but like at the same time even if he'd lived a long life he'd still be dead now anyone but could like, tell a story about like a about, like, a little boy that ran away to join the pirates. Yeah. So what you're saying, Matt, is this one did not get the Procopius method. No, it was true. Hell yeah. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's also, uh, this is going to sound super dumb. It won't. But you need to you stop like, talking oh. bad about my friend. No, no, it, this this is actually going to sound dumb because you were just like, oh, off the coast of like Massachusetts. I'm like, oh my god, Massachusetts existed like the coast in general yeah. um, back in the day. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, that's basically like exactly I, how I was moments ago when I was like, I'm not yeah. sure if it was Massachusetts yet. And then off you guys, the coast of what is currently Massachusetts. Yeah. So the Americas. America. Yeah. I, I think it's just like easy um and and this is like my american history like being brought up in the american like education system you know american history starts yeah starts you know with, when america in the founding starts of america. And, yeah, yeah yeah so like the continent wasn't and here. i'm proud to be an american where at least american. i know that's I'm all we free. can say <laughs> um, <laughs> no, we can't. No, but can't like legitimately, I think uh, I think a lot of people are teaching their children. It's kind of uh, much in the same way that uh, evangelical Christians really believe that the world is only five thousand years old. Um, That's wild to me. What's that? Like when people teach their kids, like the world is only five thousand years old, and then like, like what they do teach teach them that dinosaurs are dragons. Like no, what? they think it's just made up by the state. Oh, okay. The damn state. Um. But anyways, so Man, I wish I wish the state actually dumped that much that much money and time into lore. I, yeah. <laughs> into its own fan fiction. Could, the American like, lore is garbage. We need a rewrite. We do need to rewrite or just scrap the whole Dude, thing and what start do you a mean, new project. Garbage? If if dinosaurs are part of our lore, are part of our backstory, like someone's doing something right. <laughs> we got that right. That one thing just. So, Someone was inspired. You know what? Okay, with the dinosaurs. I just remembered that I did learn something today. Oh? What? And it has it has pertinence to Zach's story more than it has pertinence to mine, but um, people think that the myth of the Cyclops came from mutated elephant skulls that they found in um, yeah, mostly makes, Greek regions. Sense. Huh. Interesting. I... I do wish, though, like, I do wish that, like, ancient monsters were real. I gotta be honest right? with you, I wish just... cryptids were a true thing. Okay, both of you yeah, but shut only your the mouths cool right cryptid. now. 
Because okay. the Mothman exists? Well, no, I was going to say, like, you don't don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. I'm not putting any evil on you. I'm just saying it'd be cool. No, it'd like, be nice. Yeah, it would be. But at the same time, you're then opening up the possibility of there being those creatures still existing. And I don't want to like a dragon's a cool concept. I don't want to meet one. Zach, a dragon would be unsustainable in this economy. Are you kidding me? That's true. The dragons would have all the money. They died. The dragons would have so many tech stocks. They died out a long time ago. I mostly think that all it would right. be cool if, like, a Bigfoot existed. Anyways, we went off on a tangent, I... and Megan has to leave before 1030, which is in 30 minutes. So let's <laughs> get going. So. All right. So I am, uh, my story is called, And I'm Free Falling. And, and free, that will be free falling. We're gonna get sued. Just uh, fucking come at me. <laughs> we sang just enough of that song to make it legal. We we walk. We toe the line, the litigation we line with real- songs every week. This the the title of my story will become funny and sad as <laughs> we continue this. It wouldn't be a Megan story together. without a little bit of sad. A little two-for-one special. A little two-for-one, a little one-two, if you will. The one-two punch. So, I, if you think about it, like, the Guinness Book of World Records is, like, I don't know who's on the staff, but I feel like they just pop up out of nowhere sometimes, and they're like, hello, here's a record. (laughs) Hey, we found a thing. Yeah, they're just like, and you get a record. And sometimes you just don't want that record. Yeah, of course. Okay. Like, they're just there when you least expect them, ready to bestow their gifts and curses. <laughs> that being... <laughs> the way you've described them is like a cryptid, like this malevolent being that's just like, you didn't want this, but here it is. Yeah, it's the Guinness Book of World Records staff. And then all of a sudden a book appears... And it's, like, weirdly holographic in tie-dye. <laughs> so, there. this is what happened um, to this lady named Vesna Volovic. I think that's how her name is spelled. Uh, I will not be taking questions at this time. So, Vesna was a Serbian flight attendant who looked like a Bond girl, because I did look her up. Okay. Um, and she's pretty hot. Uh, and as they say on Law and Order SVU, this is her story. Vesna was born in Belgrade in 1950. Her father was a businessman and her mother was a fitness instructor. So it was a match made in Chad heaven. (laughs) When I like read that and I was like, this, I feel like it's a stereotype that we know, but we haven't said out loud. So when she was in her late teens and early 20s, she saw one of her friends in a flight attendant's uniform. And I guess this was just like fucking Jesus coming down and being like, Vesna, you know what you must do. Um, So she decided she wanted to follow this career path uh, purely for the aesthetic. Uh, She and I say for the aesthetic because she really liked London and the Beatles. And she said at one point, like after she saw her friend in this flight attendant's uniform, she was just like, it looked like she could be coming from London at any moment. And that's an interesting 
reasoning to choose a career path. <laughs> I mean, so, like, this is it, also like, it makes me think of like, uh, Catch Me If You Can, where it's like, who has the most respect? Fucking airline pilots, you know? For sure. Yeah. I mean, like, maybe back in the day, but, like, I don't know about now. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, back then, back, like, in the time you're talking about, like, yeah, like, pilots and, like, airline stewardesses were, like, there was, it was a big part of the culture. Yeah, like, they were pretty sexy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, And now, like, everyone's just really mean to them. <laughs> like, for no reason. For like, no these reason. people are trained so hard to be, like, in the sky constantly. They face deep vein thrombosis every day for us. <laughs> so... In 1971, she joined the dominant airline uh, of Yugoslavia. Okay. Uh, now, her story comes to a boil in 1972 when she boards um, Flight 367, Jet Flight 367. And according to Vesna, she wasn't supposed to be on that flight. But she was confused with another flight attendant who was also named Vesna, a very common name, apparently, in Yugoslavia. Apparently. <laughs> Like, I've never heard this name before this story, and I've never heard this name after this story, but apparently 1972, prime name. Top baby name. <laughs> um, that that aside, she was excited for the departure because they had an entire afternoon off and could go sightseeing and shopping. What is strange about her telling this story, like, she, so she tells this story afterwards, um, is that she says everybody wanted to buy something for his or her family. They seemed to know that they would die. They didn't talk about it, but I saw, I felt for them. And the captain was locked in his room for 24 hours. He didn't want to go out at all. In the morning during breakfast, the co-pilot was talking about his son and daughter as if nobody else had a son or daughter. So, I don't know if this is, like, her looking back on the, like, incident, um, but her saying that is, like, very weird and chilling after you hear what happens next. Yeah. So, at 1.30 p.m. on January 26th, Flight 367 departed from Stockholm, Arlanda Airport, and landed at the Copenhagen Airport at 2.30 p.m., where Vesna and the rest of her crew boarded. Uh, she said that um, her and her colleagues watched everyone to plane, but that one of the passengers looked annoyed. It was when they were in the air at 4.01 p.m. that there was an explosion and it tore through the baggage compartment. And this caused the aircraft to break apart with Vesna as the only survivor of the 28 passengers and crew. No Holy fucking shit. way. Yes. Oh, so, wait. I think I might know this story. But please, oh, no, please okay. keep talking and I'll let you know if I know it after. Okay. So she was discovered by a villager in Czechoslovakia screaming in the wreckage. Like, she was screaming in the wreckage. She was covered in blood and her stiletto heels had been torn off by the force of the impact from falling from 33,330 feet. Jesus. Jeez. Yep. Uh, air safety investigators attributed her survival to her being trapped by a food cart 
so that she couldn't be sucked out of the plane because like when it exploded, the plane broke in half and everyone was like, everyone who wasn't like tied down was ripped out. And remember, seatbelts are only a suggestion. Um, (laughs) So they literally were free falling, but she was sort of like kept cushioned, cushioned, quote unquote, by the wreckage. Uh, Damn. Then her portion of the plane landed on trees and a snowy mountainside, which I guess acts as more of a cushion. Yeah, for sure. Um, or whatever acts as a cushion from a height of 33,000 feet. Yeah. Uh, so her history of low blood pressure actually helped her. It caused her to pass out quickly after the cabin depressurized and kept her heart from bursting on impact. Jesus. I thought that was really interesting. That is pretty cool. Yeah. She even said that she knew about the low blood pressure and knew it would stop her from becoming a flight attendant. But on the day of her medical exam, she drank a lot of coffee. So. Oh, so her heart rate would would look normal. Yeah. So her blood pressure would look normal. So like, don't, don't let your medical stuff stop you from living your dreams lie yeah definitely lie eat hot chip and lie eat hot, eat hot chip, chip and lie. lie eat hot chip and lie and become a flight attendant so the explosion uh I- i'm sure you probably guessed was due to a briefcase bomb supposedly placed there by a croatian nationalists but no arrests were ever made so they're thinking that like the guy that they saw get off the plane that looked super annoyed was the person who left the bomb there um so so following the crash vesna spent days in a coma she suffered from a fractured skull a cerebral hemorrhage two broken legs, three broken vertebrae, broken ribs, and a fractured pelvis. Is that all? And she was... Oh, that was it. Well, she was also temporarily paralyzed and suffered from amnesia. Oh, yeah. No, that oh, makes sense. Oh, that's all. That, yeah. So she couldn't remember um, she, like when she woke up, she couldn't remember the hour before the crash or one month after. Wow. Okay. So she only learned about the crash like a month after it occurred. Hmm. Damn. They're, she's like, why am I in the hospital? And they're like, oh, you're in a plane crash. And she's like, oh, that's crazy. When was that? And they're like, four weeks ago. Precisely four weeks ago. Four weeks ago. So in 1972, she expressed willingness to resume working as a flight attendant. Uh-huh. Okay. Yay. <laughs> Um, and she gave her reasoning because, like, she said she didn't remember the crash. She was like, I kind of don't have a fear of flying because I don't remember Because crashing. I don't remember it. Oh, shit. I, That's fair. Yeah, oh. she's like, I just don't remember it. Uh, yeah, no, it is fair. I just thought that was an interesting thing, like, for the human brain to do. That's such a good point. You know? But, I mean, the human uh, brain's been doing that for a while. Yeah. No, yeah, I... It, Neuroplasticity is like a cool thing. Um and I I wish like I've been look I've been listening to this this other YouTube channel and they like talk about the evolution of people and like all the cool genes that we've had and like all of our adaptations and it's like you know when you look at like how far people have come like sometimes you're like man maybe 
maybe we're more than just assholes, you know? <laughs> maybe. Maybe we've been on a journey. Maybe. I'm you know, I'm getting I'm I'm waxing poetic here. Anyway, back to back to Vesna. <laughs> so she the the airline was like, Yeah, uh, we don't really want you to be working as a flight attendant because she they thought that her presence would attract too much publicity, but they gave her a desk job instead. And she was celebrated as a national hero in Yugoslavia. Okay. And in 1985, the Guinness Book of World Records recognized her as the world record holder for surviving the highest fall without a parachute, which is exactly what she was going for. How did they know? Wow. (laughs) That's she's like, I'm gonna fucking crash this plane. (laughs) That's insensitive. They just show up to her fucking house and they're like, man, here's a world record. And she's like, I don't want this. And they're like, no, you did Why did I ask for this adventure? Why did I ask for this adventure? Uh, She also received recognition at a London gala with Paul McCartney performing. Remember, she really liked the Beatles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, However, in the 1990s, her life really starts to fall off the rails. Okay. Uh, she she got divorced and she got fired for speaking out against Serbian politicians. So you know politics back at it again. And the government tried to start a smear campaign against her, trying to minimize the plane crash, like because she was speaking out there. You're like, yeah, but like, was it really that high that you fell from? Oh my god! And. She was like, I don't know, man. Why don't you look at my broken back? I don't know, man. Why don't man, you look at my you just, guys, like, broken body? You guys have the fucking black box. You got the black box and the medical record. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, it's like, they were like, yeah, maybe you only fell from, like, a thousand feet up. And she's like, okay, but, like, all my ribs were broken. So, like, maybe. I don't know. I don't remember. Um... So they they tried to minimize the plane crash, but uh, you know, good old good old Vesna that didn't stop her from continuing to be politically active. She's like, "Fuck you, I don't care." And later in life, she said that she struggled with survivor's guilt, and in the last years of her life, she lived on a small pension in her apartment in Belgrade. And she declined many interviews, saying she was tired of discussing the fall. And it was in 2016 that she passed away from a heart condition. Oh. But, I mean, you know, she was old at that point. And, like, she had survived, like, something pretty dramatic. So I was reading the story and, uh, like, her heyday was pretty interesting. Like, how people were... Like, oh my god, you've become, like, a low-key celebrity by doing something that, like, you didn't set out to do, and also you don't remember. (laughs) Like, a a lot of her life was defined by a moment that, like, was not in her memory banks. Yeah, that's the wildest part to me, is like, I don't remember this, but okay. And she she never regained memory, not of the... Not of the crash itself, but, like, she, so she doesn't, didn't ever remember, like, anything about it? So, it doesn't, it doesn't look like she, she did. Like, you know when people talk a lot about something that you've done, um, and 
Oh, so you just start like telling that, that story of... as if you know it? Yeah, I think that's sort of what started to happen. Like, everyone kept telling her, like, this is what happened. And so she was like, yeah, this is what happened. And so she probably ended up with a memory that was forged through information. Yeah, forged through the retelling. I don't. Yeah, I remember she passed out as it as she was crashing. Yeah. So there is no way that she could ever have observed it. A memory of the crash. She wasn't conscious for it. Fuck um, no. Yeah, she was unconscious for, and I don't think she remembered like waking up in the wreckage either. Like I think her waking up and screaming, like was probably her body on autopilot. Yeah, that or, like, just the trauma of it. Her brain, like, blocked it out, you know? Oh, yeah, a thousand percent. I wouldn't want to remember that. That's like when... That's like how women don't remember giving birth. They're like, if we remembered what it was really like giving birth... You'd never do no it again. No one would ever have babies. Yeah. yeah. Damn. But... That's my story. I know that it was like a little bit of a monologue, but there no, it was a lot. Was a lot of <laughs> crazy. Information. It was good. That was a good story, and I had um, I had heard about it before. I did not. I, oh, I did, did not recall. But the second that you said that her uh, the descent of her plane was made slower by the trees and the mountain. Um, that was what clicked for me as I had heard this story before. I, uh, it's going to sound really weird, but I think I heard this story before on Mythbusters. Really? Yeah, because they were testing to see, like, the highest, like, height you could fall from and survive. And if you could use, like, certain things in a plane to save yourself if you fell out of a plane. I could be wrong. They could have been talking about a different flight, but it just, like, it's too much of a similarity of, like, falling from a high place, you know? I, yeah, I mean, there's, um, God, what is it called? It's like the disaster survival game game, or something where it, like, tells you, I don't know, like, people guess how you would survive catastrophes, like huh. a falling elevator or a shark attack or something. And then it tells you, like, how you would really survive it. And I, I just think you have to be for a plane crash so incredibly lucky yeah oh yeah like for her everyone else died because they got sucked out but because a food cart had fallen on her and then because her plane landed at a certain like her part of the plane landed on a certain area she happened to survive. She didn't survive well. But she survived. <laughs> yeah, no. like, yeah, like she didn't come out of it. She didn't walk out being like, man, that was crazy. <laughs> like, she was fucked up. Yeah. Damn. I mean, even today, like, even though planes are like way better than they were in Yugoslavia circa 1972, but like, I mean, people still. I mean, they still go down. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
but I also don't I don't want to end this on a sad a sad note. So like you get my you get why my my title was funny yet sad. Yes, no, I do get it. It makes a lot of sense. I need you and, to know and now I'm also that your description of the Guinness Book of World Records being like on point holographic unlocked like a core memory for me. Because, okay, so the only reason I remember I know that is because we have the records books, like, at the library in the nonfiction section. So every time, like, I go to the break room, I see them, and I'm like, oh, wow, they they really did make those covers, like, weird tie-dye holograms. Yeah, I think it's also weird that it's, like, from one of my favorite beer companies. Oh, yeah. I didn't, that didn't twig until you just said that. Yeah, damn. I thought it was completely separate. Well, no, just like Michelin stars are based on the tire company. Yeah. Oh. They have nothing to do Every... with each other, but... Today Megan learned... I don't Today like Megan this. learned two things. I don't... This is becoming uncomfortable. Hey, uh, since Megan has to leave in pert near eight minutes, we should probably wrap this song bitch up. I was going to say, since Megan's All uncomfortable, right. I'm going to ready to do some shout-outs. Yeah, do that thing that you do. <laughs> do that thing that I do. It's just because I'm realizing capitalism is everywhere. Yeah, it's even we aren't, you know, safe from capitalism. <laughs> um, but, you know, we really appreciate everyone who does listen. Um, and we're going to give a little bit of a shout-out to some of the... Or rather, plug the things that you can find us on uh first off if you go and you listen to us on itunes um or if you don't you can listen to us on itunes or whatever streaming platform you prefer don't want to monopolize the market here um but if you head on over to itunes and you give us a rating and review it really does help us out it kind of bumps us up the charts and makes it so that we are a lot more noticed uh you can also give us a rating and review on i don't think you can actually review but i know you can rate on spotify as well and the more ratings we get, the more people can see us. Uh, so if you have a chance, just give us a rating and review. Uh, you can also find us on our Instagram at the underscore triumvirate underscore productions. You can find us uh, on Facebook if you just search the Triumvirate Productions. Uh, and you can also join our Patreon. Patreon members do get uh, extra little bonuses, including What the Fuck After Dark, our pre-slash-post show. And $10 members not only get what the fuck after dark, but they get uncut episodes and those uncut episodes come out a day before regular episodes. So you get to see and hear, well, you don't see, you just hear, but you get to hear us before everyone else. So you're extra special. Doesn't that feel great? You also get to hear the parts of the podcast where we fuck up and Zach doesn't edit it out. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so you can find us on patreon.com if you look us up on patreon.com or go to patreon.com slash triumvirate productions. So that's Zach's whole thing. So now I'm going to come in and do the thing that I do at the end of the, every podcast. Ladies, gentlemen, and all of you who identify as anything other than those two gendered terms, please join me at home in saying the following. What the fuck? History. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.